Good morning again. Good morning. I want to read to you where I will try to communicate God's truth in Mark chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, news spread quickly that he was at home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, you, your sins are forgiven. But some teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, ex exclaiming, <clears throat> we've never seen anything like this before. This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. In 1949, uh, Flagstaff, Maine was told by the state that they're going to flood this town. Something was going on with the dam and there was no more uh, way to withstand the dam's pressure or to fix the dam, but they were going to relocate everyone to another spot, you know, at the government's expense because of this particular engineering situation. So that was the beginning of the year, so folks just took that and began to look for another place to live and where they were going to go. People began to, uh, you know, cut the grass and paint the house and uh, get their back porch together and all the things that they planned to do as homeowners or as renters to live comfortably as they were going to be there. But about the beginning of the summer, people stopped doing it. They were like, yo, my house is about to be flooded. I'm not going to be here anymore. Why am I cutting this grass? By the end of the summer, start of the fall, the whole place looked like a jungle. Like the front yard, nobody had cut their grass. Bushes were overgrown. Parks were just huge. It looked like they were, parks were like their own forest preserve. It was huge. It was just, stuff was all over the place. Um, nobody was picking up anything, everything was just all over the place. And, and, and so one reporter at the end of the year, closer to the end of the year, as people were moving out, asked the person, asked the man, what do you think of all of this? What, what, what's going on with this town and all the move? And the man said this, he said, whenever there is no hope for the future, there is no power for the present. Say that with me. No hope for the future. No hope for the future. No power for the present. No power for the present. Oftentimes, in the world in which we live, and in, in, in our own context of faith, if we believe that there's no hope for the future, why go? Why apply for this grant? Why apply for this uh, college opportunity? Why apply for this job? If there's no hope for the future, then there's no real power and courage for the present to move forward. In the world in which we live in, in, in our, our context of faith, as people who pursue following Christ, are we a church, a body of believers that function that way? I mean, I believe if this, uh, 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 as a church or a body of believers who, who follow uh, Christ, if that is the mindset that there's no 
hope for the future. There's no power for the present. You know what we do? We get comfortable. <laughs> we get comfortable, and we enjoy being comfortable, right? We enjoy being comfortable because that doesn't mean, that, 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 that means I don't have to sacrifice anything. I don't have to move in such a way where then I am hoping for the future, creating power for the present. I can just be comfortable. And I can, what, I, what, what, what happens when we get comfortable is we just manage the sacrifice. We just manage what we are or are not going to do because I don't want to go too deep in believing that there's hope for the future, for power, for the present. And oftentimes, I believe, folks become uh, uh, comfortable with discomfort. You become comfortable with discomfort, which then opens up a door to be uncomfortable with new possibilities. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, so I come from an African-American worship experience, right? And so when there are things that we believe God has said through the speaker, God's word, we often say, amen, praise God, hallelujah, run around a building, just jump crazy. So I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you participate with me just by saying amen. So if there's something that I believe God is saying to the, I'm going to raise my hand and you just say amen, right? Right? So amen. amen. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. <laughs> Um, that's why I couldn't stand in here because I, I got to move around. I got to move around. The reality of our not having hope for the future, for power for the present, keeps us comfortable in such a way where we don't want to, to allow the discomfort for new possibilities. But what's crazy is that when we live as people of faith, trusting in God, we step outside of that uh, uh, comfort, step into what's uncomfortable because of the new possibilities that are powerful. Look at your own life in situations where you stepped into things and now. These new possibilities are bringing hope to whatever it might be. I know a young woman right now, she's 80 years old, retired. She just started a nonprofit. I'm like, you started a nonprofit at 80 years old? That's powerful. She could have laid back, chilled, but something in her was like, wait a minute, there's some, there's some new possibilities I have to create. The young people we serve oftentimes get caught up in the trauma and the life that they live in to say, yeah, there's no hope for the future, no power for the present, so I'm just going to do and I'm going to be comfortable in this junk. I'm going to be comfortable in discomfort. I'm just going to be this way. I'm comfortable in living in stank. This whole house stanks. It's falling apart. But I'm going to find my little spot and I'm going to stay comfortable in this life. Our work and the work that you're partnering with us on says, no, wait a second, wait a second. You were created for greatness. So therefore, there is hope for the future and bringing power to the present. And when it begins to happen in the lives of one or two, it begins to ripple into everybody. One young man we have a high school program online called Penn Foster, and they're doing this online high school program. And he said, look, I'm about to stop messing around with this program. I'm going to finish my high school. And he finished it. And everybody else was like, what? And then 10 other guys finished their high school diploma in that same process, right? Because he believed, I don't want to stay comfortable in discomfort. I'm tired of his stanking. It stank too much. It stank. It stank. I'm tired. I'm tired of his stanking right here. I don't want it to stank no more. Not stink, but stank. That's when you know it's really <laughs> when it's stank. In our world, in our communication, uh, 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 serving with one another, in this, in this text that we're going to look at, right, um, there is a story. Three particular uh, uh, people in this particular story. One is Christ, two is the crowd, and three is the four people carrying their friend on this map. The story opens up. Where Christ says, or, or giving the context that Christ was teaching in this house, and it was so full. They believe it's Peter's mama's house. So Peter's mama house is where Christ was at, and he was teaching. The house was so packed, and it was outside it was packed. 
But the irony of the story is that people came to hear the teaching of Jesus, which should be transformative and life-changing. From one word, from one phrase, should ripple into our hearts to say, wait a second, let me evaluate where my life is at. Let me call on God to guide me and direct me. So they're in this place, packed. Here come four people, I believe almost like a testing ground of how they were going to apply God's word. Here they come, four people. Now, no telling where they came from. They may have came from Lawndale to come to Western Springs. And they're carrying this person forever. Now, my best friend grew up together. He has muscular dystrophy. So I kind of get a glimpse of what it means to carry someone who is, uh, uh, he's got his master's degree. I did his wedding. He owned his own home. He's very focused. He's got muscular dystrophy. But like, I've had to carry him on my back. Man, you heavy. And I've, I fall a couple of times with him, but he was my cushion, so I was good. He was, he was not so good at times, right? <laughs> so I get a glimpse of this, but here are these people hearing God's word. Follow the irony. Hearing God's word. Hallelujah. Excuse me, I'm trying to get through. Stay back. Hallelujah. Stay back, man. We're trying to hear God's word. You see the irony in that? They can't come through. There was a church uh, a man came to, had a Western outfit on, his, his swag, his church swag. Had the cowboy hat, cowboy boots, the belt was all cowboyed out, was just shining with what he had to come to church in. Came right down, sat right in the front row. Whole church got, oh my God, oh my God. People, oh, did you see that guy come here? Started texting in church. Oh my God, did you see? Look at him, look at him. What are, you, what are we going to do? Somebody after church called the pastor, hey man, can you talk to dude? Talk to dude. He got the cowboy hat. What the world? So the pastor came and met with them and said, hey, man, thank you for coming to worship today. It's so great that you came. Um, I want to ask you, if you, 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 you plan to keep coming? Yeah, I'm going to come back next week. The great service. Great, great. Let me ask you, can you pray to God this week what you should wear when you come to church? The man said, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. man came back next Sunday, same gear on, different color, different color, same gear, sat in the same seat. After church, the pastor said, hey, um, did you pray to God and ask what you should wear? He said, you know, I did. I did. I prayed and asked God what I should wear. God said, I don't know because I've never been to that church. <laughs> Are we going to be that kind of people? Are we going to be that kind of people where we're so comfortable in that discomfort? We, will, we don't want to budge and sacrifice anything. We don't want to be discomfort dive in the, in, in, in the new possibilities. These folks were here, jammed up in a church, listening to Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and yet they could not let the people who they were there also to be actively engaged in see the, the, the Christ. These guys, in their effort to say, we're not going to be stopped by you living in this comfortable discomfort, because we're so uncomfortable with our friend who does not have the new possibilities of life and walking. Now, I talk about this at the Theology of the Mat because what was in it for them? I mean, I don't, I, and my mind goes crazy with this, right? Because what, what was it like growing up with him, like it was with my friend, right? Maybe because of that era, you know, he had to beg by the street. Maybe what was in it for them, we don't have to take him over there to 290 by the exit ramp, and he can stay. Maybe they can save some time not to take him. Maybe he can get a real job and stop bugging us every day to take him down to 290 and pick him up. I don't know what was in it for them, but I believe this. Spiritually, they recognized that they were on the same dagger mat. They were on the same mat. Why? Not because they were not 
physically hurt, but spiritually, they were on that same daggum man. I tell people all the time, if I'm not close to Christ, I'm a few 24 hours away of jacking you. I'm, don't, don't, don't pretend as if because of the work that we do and whatever God is doing that I'm so super stronger than anybody else. I'm a few 24 hours away from dropping all of this and saying, I need your car. If I'm going to be real with my own stuff, because I'm on the same daggum mat. I'm on the same daggum mat. I believe they recognize that. That they're like, we need Jesus. Like, well, our friend needs Jesus. And we're all going to do this together. And you know what? They didn't have a committee meeting. They didn't have a voting situation. They went right up the side of the house and busted the roof down. Now, here's what's crazy. You ever try to carry something with four people? Like, like on a thing, right? It, it, I'm saying this because the specific commitment of sacrifice to carry their friend. Now again, my best friend, we grew up, we grew up together, I'm carrying him on, the, on my back. So I know this real time experience, I'm carrying him like, man, you gotta stop eating, man. My gosh, you are heavy, right? So, so, so in the context of those stairs, we're not wide stairs. They're just made of clay on the side of the home in the Jewish culture, right? They did a lot of things on the roof. So they had to figure out, okay, you're gonna carry the two top, okay, I'm gonna put them on my shoulder. Imagine the detail to do that. They could have given up at any doggone time, and people would have been like, we understand, he's heavy. That's, that's hard to do. Jesus, it was a lot of people, you know, you couldn't have got, they could have given anybody an out. But they did not do it. They did not do it. Why? Because it was too much of an expense for their friend not to see Jesus. Ah, oh, I wish we had people, believers, who could say, ah, it's too much of an expense. It's more at stake if we don't do this. What do I got to do to make this happen? I'm going to grab this, we're going to grab that, okay, we're going to put it on the side, okay, he's slipping, he's slipping, y'all, he's slipping. He's in the thing, hey, 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 hey I'm slipping, I'm slipping. That, that, that would be my best friend conversation. <laughs> Man, hey, hey, get a, big, get a younger guy to pick me up, you're too old. And so they carry him up the side of these things, sacrificing all the nuances of what it means to, you ever try to carry a refrigerator and all, all that kind of stuff that they had to do, get him in there, and they bust the roof down. They're, they don't care about what the owners <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. Well, we got some dollars. We, we're roofers. We'll come back and put it back. I don't know what was in their mind, but they busted the roof down, not intimidated by any shame. Some, oh my God, who they think they are? They busting the roof down. Oh, uh, they from the west side. Whatever attitude people were going to give them, they were ready to take it. They lower, Christ, they lower their friend down. And what the beauty is, when Christ sees him, Christ doesn't call him. Invalid, doesn't call him a handicap, doesn't call him uh, 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 someone who's in, unable. He says, my child, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say, what's your name, what school you went to, um, to pre-qualify the man? He says, my son, what? Your sins are forgiven. And you know why he says that? Look what he says. He says, seeing in verse 5, their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, do you realize the more we stay comfortable of stay comfortable in discomfort, other people who want to borrow your faith to go off to college, to take that new job, to love on their spouse, to love on their kids more, to do crazy stuff in whatever community, it hinders them back. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna do that either. I'm gonna stay right here and be comfortable. But these guys said, nah, it's not gonna be that way today. And Christ says, because of their faith. You heal. Wow. How many missed opportunities has Phil Jackson given to people because I had no hope for the future, so no power for the present? I'm not going to do that. And how many people did that ripple into? 
Dude, I was intimidated, perhaps because my faith was only limited to my capacity. (laughs) My capacity says, as far as I can go, so that's as much power as you're going to get. Versus believing that there's a God who seeks to live inside of us to do extremely beyond what we can imagine. The text goes on, and it says, as the teachers were tripping, but some of the teachers of the religious law who were, who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. God can forgive sins. Jesus immediately knew what they were thinking. Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove it to you. Then I'm the son of man. He has authority to forgive sins. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up and pick up your mat and go home. Now, this is the first time a man ever picked, this man picked up a mat. He didn't know, what, 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 how do I pick up a mat? How do I use these legs? I never used these legs before. This is all foreign to him. He probably rolled over, rolled the mat up, and then trying to test. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. And then took, you imagine you're in this crowded house. Oh, what? Oh, heck, you either half scared. Is this, what's going on with this? Oh, you move out the This is a miracle right before your eyes. Which bucket, which lane do you stand in? Are you in the house, crowded bunch of people? You can't come in now. I can't apply this faith that I'm learning from Christ because I'm so comfortable in this discomfort. I'm just comfortable in listening and not applying it. Or are you with the teachers who are suspecting the power of Christ in his own? Christ flips it back on them. And it said he, he jumped up. That's the first time the man ever jumped. What is a jump? A man jumping. What is his, what are, what are his boys on the roof doing? Oh, snap. Oh, Reggie's up. Yo, Reggie's up. And they just probably run down. They don't care about nobody in the building. They're like, yo, this Jesus is the bomb. I'm going to holler at you later, Jesus. We, pizza, pizza tomorrow. And they probably took off, right? Because right? they now had a new reality of what it meant to be healed together, even with their friend. Jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out the stunned onlookers they were all amazed and praised God exclaiming we never seen anything like the west side we ain't never seen this before west side north Carolina, we ain't never seen this before encouraging them encouraging them that God is about that level of impact in our lives God is God maybe my friend who started this nonprofit maybe people are saying I ain't never seen that before. 80-year-old person starting a nonprofit. What is going on? What, am, what do I need to do? What is God stirring up in me? Where is it at in our world that God is saying, I never seen that before? But what other people are saying, I never, I never seen that before. God, go ahead, mate. God can really do it. Now here's the mystery of all of this. When Christ asks him, which is easy to do, to forgive sins, he is saying, I'm going to be so uncomfortable on this cross. You don't understand the cost of what it means to forgive sins right here. You're just all enamored and tripping about the language I said. So to show you that I'm the son of God, that I have power to forgive sins, get up and walk. Because I'm about to go to the cross and pay the ultimate sacrifice and rise from the grave so that your sins can be forgiven too. Even though you're talking that yak about me. Christ knew the ultimate cost so that we 
wouldn't just be comfortable in our discomfort so that we can apply and live in such a way where others around us, by the kindness we extend to someone at a grocery store, at a restaurant, to somebody driving by flipping us off because they, we, we had our blinker on too long. We just, hey, praise the Lord. Whatever's going on, all of a sudden people are saying, we ain't never seen that before. See, I believe God is bored. I believe God is straight bored in heaven because Old Testament, New Testament saints were doing crazy stuff and believing God for incredible things. And we're just comfortable. And God is like, man, I'm so bored. I'm waiting and looking for impact to be made at the cost and the sacrifice like my sacrifice was for us. But it's the passion at the level that I'm calling us to be at. How long will we wait before others see this reality? Young man, I'm, I'm, I got a, another 30 more minutes, right? I got a whole other. Uh, Young man played football all his life as a shorty. I mean, as a little kid, peewee and everything else like that. And as he's playing, he never started, never played. Just, you know, was in practice a lot. His dad, though, came to every game, every game as a peewee football player, right? Dad came to every game as a high school player, even though he didn't play. Still didn't play, right? The boy miraculously walked on on a college team and played, played in the college uh, 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 squad, but never played a game. But his dad never missed a game. Pee Wee, high school, college. Dad always came out. Dad was cheering him on, but he's never started. The man's about to graduate from college. The team is one game away from going into the playoffs. Father passes away. And um, the coach knows this kid has been with us. He's great on the practice field, but he's not going to play in the game. If you need a time off and you don't come back to the game, that's okay. The game Saturday is like Funeral's gonna be on Monday. He's like, okay, just go. And if you come back, you know, that's great. Not, don't, don't worry about it. The boy goes to the funeral and comes back uh, uh, on Saturday as they're about to play the game. And the whole first and second quarter, he's begging the coach, let me in the game. Let me get in the game. You gotta let me in the game. Third quarter comes, they're down by a touchdown um, and, and they're playing kind of tight. The other team's kind of dominating him. So the coach is like, hey, go in, and, go in and play. So he puts him in. Senior year, he's like, let me just have him play. We may not play again. It's, let me get him in there. Put him in there. He sacks the quarterback. He, he causes a disruption from the team. He, he knocks his quarterback down. And out of nowhere, they're like, wait a minute, who is this kid playing? The second play, he does some other kind of miraculous thing. As that whole third and fourth quarter, that second half of the game, this guy rips into the other team like a madman, like he'd been starting the whole time. The team ends up uh, getting the ball in various ways because of his defensive move and winning this freaking playoff game. He had never started, never played a game from peewee to college. The coach says to him at the end of the game, like, who are you? What, what got into you? I never see you play that way. He said, well, you know, my, 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 uh, my dad, you know, we come to all the games. He said, yeah, you know, your dad came to all the games. Now, I'm so sad that he, that he couldn't make this game. He, he passed him. That he, that he couldn't see you in this miraculous game. Did you play? He said, no, you don't get it, coach. <laughs> my dad was blind. Blind from my peewee games. Blind from my high school games. Blind from my college games. And now in heaven, this is the first game he can see. This is the reason I got to play. I got to play today because Pops is looking. I wish I could talk to some people who are so frustrated at being comfortable that they want to step outside of that and be discomfort 
with new possibilities because there's a whole doggone world who's sitting on a mat waiting on you and I to pick them up to trust and believe that God is bigger than the situations we have in front of us because God is looking. God is wanting us to move in that way.